had about a 35% increase, maybe a little bit more of how many people we serve. That's Christy Fairchild, the Executive Director of North Beach Citizens. We spoke on April 30th, 2020. A year ago on the podcast, we talked about health and safety in the neighborhood. So much has changed since that time that an update from Christy felt necessary. Here's our interview. Christy Fairchild, thank you for returning to North Beach now. I guess this has been a month of podcasting for you. <laughs> you uh, chatted with Heather Knight of The Chronicle early in April. I saw that. I put a link to that podcast on the North Beach Now Twitter feed. I recommend people listen to that to learn more about what you're doing and what North Beach citizens are doing. We'll talk about some different things here today as well. So your motto at North Beach Citizens is, trust, integrity, and respect. Maybe you'd like to start with that and uh, otherwise give listeners a sense of what you do and uh, your mission and your activities. Certainly. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate that and for checking in on us, on us during a really unprecedented um, health crisis, health pandemic here in April of 2020 moving right into our next month of shelter in place. So overall, our model and our mission is to utilize really the North Beach community. We're community-based and to address the needs of the homeless and low-income citizens in an atmosphere of trust, integrity, and respect, as you said. And the trust, integrity, respect, you know, I've been here for... 2018 for 17 years, and this is our 19th year as an organization in the neighborhood. Wonderful. And that trust, integrity, respect, I would say is the baseline, right? So that is that it's absolutely our our um, our beacon. You know, if that's that's what that's what we are we're basing our service, and I really consider ourselves a, a service provider, and we're offering. And in many ways, the people that are coming to us, like a restaurateur, you know, they're our customers, right? They're, mm -hmm. our, they're the people that we're serving. So, um, and we want them to go away with a, a good experience. That's, that's, our, that's our role, and really, from, from my perspective. It's mutually asked of. So, you know, we don't serve absolutely every single person that's in District 3 that's homeless, but we we tap into people as we can address their needs uh, and if they're not coming to us, go out and reach out to them or try to get clients that we've gotten off the streets to go out and help and peer support the next person off the streets and to uh, mentor them into our program. And I'm saying that in regards to the respect part. So we expect the people that we're servicing to have a level of respect in the community because that's sort of our only, that's the only leverage we have to ensure that the community is, is safe and that we expect something uh, from them in regards to being part of the community. And that's kind of our goal. I see. Okay. Well, you mentioned safety, and it's been a year since you and I spoke about health and safety in the neighborhood. A lot has changed on the planet. A lot has changed on 
Columbus Avenue for that matter. So if you could bring us back to late 2019, uh, before we went into the quarantine, etc. What's changed in the last four months for North Beach citizens uh, regarding the interactions you were just describing? Well, we we have a registered base of clients that um, have come in that we've you know we've been able to start a, a relationship and an action plan for to try to work through all the bureaucracies and all the steps needed to get them off the streets, basically. And that's kind of the, that core clientele that we're working with. And that takes a long time. There's not a lot of housing, obviously, but we are kind of the crisis first step to help people link into those, those benefits. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we fundraise, you know, all, we do all of our own fundraising and, and, um, the only grant that we have from the city is our street beautification grant. So the the stabilization housing that we have is from individual donors. So we have a pocket of about about two hundred thousand or so, maybe a little bit less, on stabilization housing and making sure that people um, are able to maintain their rent and stay inside and get into a self sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And that stabilization housing is really for people that are pre SSI. So they mm-hmm. are they're we deem them probably capable of receiving benefits and help them into housing before those benefits come to fruition. And those can take anywhere between 18 months. I mean, I've had, I've been working on it with a guy for three years mm. now, trying to get him through the SSI process because of trying to prove with doctors and getting him to appointments, et cetera. So it, it can be quite a challenge. What I've seen the last four months, though, I mean, we, so we have those core clients, and we have our core clients of our community food pantry, and that has always been the local SROs. We identify local SROs that are not necessarily tied to already services on site. We have some relationships with the Chinatown Community Development Corporation that uh, has been really fantastic over the years, and I've been able to get a lot of people that were once on the streets into those housing units, mm-hmm. as well as kind of these local SROs on Broadway and Columbus that I've identified really around 2008 when I was seeing it during the first turn economic downturn, mm-hmm. a need for those kind of services via the people that were living in those hotels or people that we had gotten off the streets who were still, you know, needing services and needing support. Um, so I expanded our services to them been really interesting in the last since the COVID and since the shelter in place and the trends that we're seeing right now is individuals who uh, I mean I always always comes back to you know kind of a story as an example a gentleman came yesterday I said how long have you been homeless 21 years chronically homeless right I said well where do you stay well he's like oh I've been I lived at the wharf for that that long like I've never seen you I've been here for 19 years (laughs) I've never seen this gentleman in my life This is the first time he had to he had to push his cart all the way up to come engage with us for food, and this is the first time I've seen him, and he's even interacted and had to ask for help. Wow! Because he's been able to self-sustain himself through kind of the um, tourist trade and the hotels that are now all shuttered up and the restaurants down there. Well, so many tens of thousands coming through there every day in normal times. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, so he's, you know, he's self-sufficient. I mean, he's a strong-looking guy, you know. You know, obviously, I, I don't know him well. I don't know what, his, what, what made it that he's, you know, been homeless that long, you know. But I look at, and he's not the only one. There's people that I are meeting on a daily basis who have obviously are chronically homeless who aren't getting any other services. And so we're really this access point and this opportunity to really address and understand, again, who's in our neighborhood. And I've done that in the past, in the past where we go out and we do surveys in the neighborhood and, you know, we do our own kind of homeless count on a uh, you know, certain times of the month or so to see who's out there. But mm-hmm. boy, I don't know if you've seen and go out. The only people kind of in the early morning are sort of the homeless people or, you know, people that are kind of going, you know, for, you know, essential workers right now. And, but it's, you know, you could do a count pretty easily for people that were able to kind of not be seen or meld into the general public. Yeah, that's crossed my mind because that's when I go running. And so typically I'll go down from North Beach to the municipal pier and back. And uh, the homeless people uh, are very clearly visible. And it occurred to me, I would hope that it makes it easier for them to find service in some respect, although you're pointing out how it's harder with so many fewer people coming through the neighborhood, but also people who would give outreach such as North Beach citizens would have a better chance of finding people who need assistance. Yeah. I'll move on to your website and specifically on your website, you have a blog. Uh, You've mentioned there what services you're currently providing and you've touched on these, but let's be specific. You have your daily essential services, your meal program. I'd like you to talk more about that. You have your food pantry and then the ongoing services for eviction prevention and uh, clothing yeah. and hygiene items. Yeah, we're, we, you know, and it, it, what a big adjustment it was, really, you know, all of us, like, how does it get spread, you know, what what do we have to do? And it was a big adjustment there, as well as um, our food purveyors. So we got a lot of, in the past, we got food from Amazon Go, proper food. So when all of that dried up, we had to readjust, figure out, you know, we were making sandwiches and buying coffee, you know, we were doing yeah. whatever we could do to supplement what was happening uh, on the, even just the food process of, of handing out, you know, an, enough food as we were seeing the ramping up of the need. It was day to day, basically, in the first couple of weeks there, but we really have a, a good understanding of what the, the need is on a daily basis. And, you know, people have really stepped up, I mean, in, in regard to the, you know, figuring out where we can get donations. So Mary Reesley, who used to run Tonta Marie over, um, you know, down near yes. Middle School, she's been, you know, cooking up a storm with all of her out-of-work chefs. And we've got, you know, these beautiful leek potato soups and sandwiches, and they've been delivering to us on a daily basis, which has been amazing. Because we were only two days a week, now it's every day they're delivering to us. Then we have the fruit guys, um, mm-hmm. Middlestad, Chris Middlestad, uh, delivering to us, which is amazing of these beautiful fresh fruits. And that's really because the corporations are closed down, so they've donated their fruit delivery to nonprofits. Oh, so that's great! Fabulous. Mm-hmm. So that's fabulous. And then we have the Ferry Building. We have um, empanadas from the Ferry Building coming up, and we have the food bank and then we do Costco and we um, we do um, 
this wonderful individual volunteer that just cooks every single day for us, you know, meets and goes shopping to the food bank every day, and he's driving in from Orinda for us. So we, you know, all the food that comes in, and it's a lot of food a day, it all goes back out. I mean, it's just an absolute, you know, and it goes out, it goes. And it, and it just <laughs> happened to be just at this really kind of solid level where, where we have enough, you know, and I'm really grateful for that. So we seem to kind of hit our stride on what the need is um, and what we're seeing right now. I would say we've probably had about a 35% increase, maybe a little bit more of how many people we serve mm-hmm. on the to go the, the kind of homeless individuals as well as the um, single room occupancies. Yeah. So that um, that need is increasing, and I don't think that that's going to go down <laughs> at this point. I think that, again, another kind of anecdotal story, a, a gentleman I've never met before from one of the local, uh, you know, SRO hotels over on Vallejo came in. He's a gig worker, you know, laid off, can't, you know, can't get unemployment. Right. Right, because he's in that uh, economic um you know, case, and so he's behind on his rent by, you know, a you know, thousand four hundred, five hundred, and there's no right now resources necessarily to pay back that back rent because he can't prove that he can sustain it going forward. So they won't pay for his back rent, and the only advice is, well, you won't get evicted because there's a moratorium on eviction. But his landlord's getting pretty. He's making it uncomfortable for him, right? I'm sure he's not alone in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's just that's a lot of stress, you know. That is a lot of stress to be living under. So, any way that we can help, you know, alleviate that or make sure that he knows what he is, um, he can apply. You know, whether it's impetus tax that just is going through to the, you know, for the COVID, or it's the, you know, food stamps. So yes. making sure that he's got all his paperwork and if he's never kind of gone through the systems, what's available for him, as well as just general support. I don't know if that's answering any of your questions, which is what we're seeing. But And then we're doing our street cleaning. You know, even in April, we got, I, you were going to say, we have we got uh, seven, eight more big bellies put in to the neighborhood. So that's fantastic and just in time, right? The foot pedals, the not having to touch, the hopefully less blowing around of trash where they're, they're put into place. They're all at Washington Square Park, are they? Say that again? Uh, they're all at Washington Square? No, they're at Washington Square. There's one down at Joe DiMaggio was put in, another one down on Kearney, one on Pacific, one on Columbus, right across where the um, Bank of the West is, yeah. which was always a big issue. Uh, a new one on Union at Grant, that was always also another issue. One on Vallejo on Grant near Trieste that was also, you know, a lot of people were using that old can for um, residential trash. Um, Yes, (laughs) busy corner. And also recycling. People were digging through it for recycling, so it always was kind of a problem spot. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that block outside Trieste, we were already using it as a plaza before it's been officially declared to be one, if that ever does happen, which I hope it does. <laughs> well, thank you for that description of, of what's going on. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the food aspect. From what you've described, it sounds like food donations are not something you would need, although we should talk about fundraising here in a second. But 
Am I correct in that? The food, I feel we, I think we have tapped into the resources that we need. I am, and I'm still working on, I, I'll just say real quick and I'll circle that back around, but the, the big need I'm seeing right now, and I'm working with Self-Help for Elderly and um, Next Village and yeah. um, CCDC and, and Meals on Wheels to try to get what I'm really seeing, too, is these really much older Asian American community who are really coming out to get, you know, food support, who really don't have, aren't linked in these hotels. So we're, we're also kind of stretching our wings a little bit to try to help them also with meals, you know, in place. But with that, we're fine with food right now. I mean, I, unless something major happens in regards, um, I don't even know, you know, I, I don't know what that will look like in the future. But, um, you know, right now we were going to have our biggest fundraiser was uh, to be this in April, mid-April at St. Peter and Paul Church, and obviously we had to cancel that. And, you know, that evening we do a huge fund and need raise, raise your paddle and also an auction, which we weren't able to fulfill. Our sponsors have been very generous to us to allow us to keep their sponsorships even in lieu of the event happening which we're really appreciative as well as many people have been stepping up and even you know the $25 the $50 the $100 you know that everything helps yeah. you know and and I kind of you know it's the Bernie Sanders model like you know it was it has was it just I mean was it just in April that he bowed out of the campaign you know I mean it's just you know everything has been happening so fast like, you know, just take that donations and, you know, keep it local kind of thing. Right. You know, I, I think there's something really powerful about maintaining and keeping a local feel as we're all kind of in the stay-at-home model of seeing the results just in your local community. You know, I mean, we only have 22 cases in District 3. That's pretty amazing. Good for us. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. There are a lot of ways to keep supporting our community, the restaurants that are still doing takeout. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, the ferry building is still open, etc. Um, these are easy to yeah, find. Yeah, the station is about to be opened again. We just saw it on there. Oh. They're going to open up next week, so that's great. Good, We're good. We're going to be happy to see. And we have Tommaso's. They're still serving away, so we see Carmen and Anna out there, and they're, they're, they're just, you know, devoted devoted anchor to the community. We need our Tomasos. I was in I Mol Molinari last weekend looking for their sauce. Um, it's probably sold out everywhere. <laughs> but, uh, I know. I, I, I've been, I, I bond to Molinari's too. My kids were psyched. They were like, what lasagna? Yeah! <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. You had made mention to Heather Knight about their web, a new website. I think it's a yeah. new website. Tell us a little bit more about that and why you think it's important for people to see it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just give you a kind of an overview of what's been going on um, in that realm. So, you know, obviously their main concern is um, the homeless individuals, and there's been a lot of press and talk about them, uh, you know, them, quote, unquote, right. you know, putting us at us, quote, unquote, at risk because they're homeless. And um, I would say that even 
three weeks, I would say that's been turned on its head because really what the main risk factor is, as we can see in the news, is nursing homes, jails, and meatpacking plants, Indeed. right? So those are, you know, when it's congregate, that's the issue. Or even when there was a big um, up, uptick in um, shelters, you know, and that was, that was, you know, a little bit of scapegoating, I would say. I mean, they're no more um, at risk than, again, the nursing homes, you know. It's just congregate living like mm-hmm. that. It doesn't matter, homeless or not. So there are countless hours also of just adjusting their services and trying to ensure that the people that were on the front lines that are not doctors, I mean, they're not even social workers, these are people that are coming, you know, that are, you know, minimum wage workers that are working front desk jobs and cleaning, you know, janitory services that are working in these, you know, permanent supportive housing or shelters that are really supplying, you know, a huge amount of support without necessarily the support that they needed Mm -hmm. um, quickly. Quickly enough, Um, Abigail Khan, the head of the HSH now, you know, having that leadership coming from women of good communication and making sure that it's transparent and that there's no, uh, all questions are asked and nothing is swept under the rug and everybody gets, you know, the best information, data-driven information that they can. You know, I mean, that's really important. And it's hard, you know, there was a lot of, want for hotels to open up for um, homeless individuals, but that, you know, I I feel for my um, cohorts out there that are the service providers, that's no small task. No. You can't necessarily pull someone off that's been chronically homeless off the street because you think that they're uh, putting the rest of the community at risk and isolate them without a major amount of support. Right. And, you know, the Hilton, that's just you know, the, and to not have the staff to support it, right. kind of a recipe for disaster, to tell you the truth. Easily. So, um, so they, you know, they've been very thoughtful. Uh, you know, Aaron and Sunny from, um, you know, our supervisor's office has been at the forefront of the Moscone Center and, you know, pulling that online and pulling new hotels online. And there's a huge effort behind it. You know, they, they definitely have pulled on you know, about 800 or so COVID units. Yeah. Um, there's about, you know, 640-something COVID units and 800 or 150 that are not being used yet just for homeless. And then, you know, there's about 930 or so tagged hotel rooms, you know, for COVID that are more for the frontline workers. Yes. So the, ho- the hotels are more interested in the frontline workers and supporting them. But, you know, there definitely are hotels coming online. Not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> I would say the extra net of HSH, so they're also doing Tuesday and Thursday calls for service providers. They're putting on tons of information um, that are, is easy accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, daily briefings that come through for all of us with also those calls. So it's really, it's been a great effort on that, in that way. Well, I think for the city, yeah, for the city as a whole and the city government uh, and the city agencies, the results speak for themselves. 
not even needing to compare to other municipalities, counties, etc. Yeah. Results speak for themselves. This is a part of that story. So I uh, wanted to switch gears with you. And uh, you mentioned to Heather Knight that your first concert in life was seeing Rush at Madison Square Garden. So you know what? Tell me yeah, about that. I will. I'll tell. I'll actually even t- take it back. I, you know, I said that that was that was as a high schooler. I'd say my very first concert. My dad was a madman, so he moved us all over the world. Was in Japan in 1972 with. Rocket Man, Elton John, which Gee. I was my brother and sister. I must have been five. I don't know, something like that. Five, six. I don't know. <laughs> and so that was really my first concert. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, Rush and Madison Square Garden. Go figure. Yeah. Well, that got my attention. I have uh, Neil Peart doing a backup, a backstage warm-up exercise as the wallpaper on my smartphone. So <laughs> I had to ask you about that. Um, give us the website for North Beach Citizens, Christy. Very simple, northbeachcitizens.org. Ah, great, great. There's a lot of good reading there. I encourage our listeners to go take a look as soon as they can. And also, when you're out on Columbus, look for the bubbles, right? That's right. Well, actually, I'm on I'm on Kearney. That's right. right. You're on Kearney. So I try on on I call them good barometer days. You know, when the barometer's just right, I can really get those um, bubbles flowing all the way down uh, up Kearney, down Broadway towards <laughs> the ocean, and then even to Pacific and across over to Columbus. So that's yeah, that's my <laughs> that's that's my goal some days. Spreading the joy. Lift. Good. People look out for that. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add, Christy? No, I mean, thank you to the community. I, you know, it, I, honestly, I'm always looking for men's clothing. People are, you know, the the fact is, is that there are not a lot of showers out there. So people um, don't have, are not having a lot of options around that. So just like a change of clothing, just throw out what they had really helps. I mean, we can still, we're still doing, you know, mail service and um, toiletries and, you know, that they can bathe uh-huh. in the local, um, the local, you know, the one on Washington Square, the pit stop, but there's also in Portsmouth Square a small bathroom, but that's, yeah. you know, that's, there's not much. It's no. more bird bath. Yeah, so, right. Um, anything like that, you know, shoes, men and women that are sensible shoes and warm clothes as we're coming into fog season. Yeah. So. Okay. Good to know. Well, thanks so much for your time. It's great to talk to you again. Stay safe, and we appreciate you uh, giving us an Thank update you on. Thank for the opportunity. You're I welcome. Love talking to you. Yeah, great. Okay. Take care. We'll see you, Christy. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Christy, and all the North Beach Citizens staff and partners for your hard work that lifts up lives in our neighborhood. Coming up in a couple of days, the North Beach Now interview with Danny Souter of North Beach Neighbors. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Blair Helsing, signing off from Telegraph Hill.